John Schuler. Hello, Brandon Gore. Why the pause? Why the pause? Uh, because, you know, I don't know. I like your high-spirited, hello! So I, I, but I don't come back. I guess I could. Hello, Brandon Gore. Let's try it again. You ready? <laughs> Listen, I'm coming in at a 10. You can't meet me at a 4. You got to meet me where I'm at. I I'm know, at a 10. right? I got to come right in. All right, go ahead. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Hello, John Schuler. Hello, Brandon Gore. Yeah, we'll work on it. It's a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. What's up, man? I have re- I've unlocked the next level of OCD for shop organization. I've I've leveled up. Right on. I've been working. Yeah, I've been working now for. Mm, uh, what's it been? Almost a month, three weeks. Aiden's last day was day before yesterday. He went home yesterday morning. And I'm here now mm. just doing kind of the final moving stuff around and cleaning stuff. But this shop, I went from essentially 4,500 square feet of space with my shop and then the uh, RV garage I had. 4,500 square foot of space. I've condensed to 2,400 square foot of space. That's, that's insane because my shop before, you've been there, it was full. Yeah. It was full. You know, I didn't have a lot of space to begin with as far as like floor space because there was stuff. And I've gotten it into here and I've gotten it in such a way that it's crazy organized. I love it. I mean, right on. I love organization. So, you know, I spent, I don't know, two hours this morning organizing my clamp rack. I took every clamp off, I organized them by size, by color, by type. And redid it all, and it is a work of art. You need to come out and spend a week at my place, because mine still looks like a tornado's gone through it. But that's that's my I'm the op, I'm the opposite. Your OCD, like it drives me nuts when it's too organized. I, I, I it makes me uncomfortable. But that's all right. When I need whatever it is, a T20 bit. I need to know exactly where the T20 bit is. I don't want to just go to an area where I put all the bits and I have to dig and dig and dig and look at them all and mm-hmm. try to find... No, I want a spot for T20, for T25, for T15, for Phillips head, for uh, whatever it is, a Torx, whatever it is, I want a spot. I don't want to know where the spot is. Right on. That's good. Yeah. There are you? Can't wait to see it. It's a work of art, man. It is truly a work of art. And I'm very proud of this new space. I wasn't always like this. When I first started my company, I was a mess, a total mess. And I went to some metal workers friends, a guy named Jeff Hebbets, at a company called Metal Media in Phoenix. And he actually commissioned the very first erosion sink I ever made. That was the very first one, the one that was in Dwell. That was Jeff, Jeff Hebbets. Huh. I also made a really cool dining table for him that had a uh, meteorite slice that I put in it. And my very first GFRC piece was for him as a desk, a 13-foot desk. And my very first fabric-formed sink was for him. And I also did um, some really cool cantilevered barbecue uh, countertops for him as well. Cool. Phenomenal client. Great client. But anyways, I went to a shop when I was in Phoenix. And I started my company. And, you know, like most shops, I've been into a lot of shops. They're usually a mess. It's just the nature of 
the kind of work we do. You have cans of Bondo and resin and spray paint and glue and, you know, all these tools. And most people just kind of put them, you know, under a bench or on, on top of a table and it's just a mess. And I was like that. I was like that. And I went to Jeff's place and I walked in and it was incredible. It's like my shop is today. I finally got to that level. It's taken 20 years, but I've gotten to that level. It was incredible. The clamps, the straps, blankets, everything, all the consumables, all the cutting discs, everything was pristine and organized and linear and level and just, and it blew my mind. It was so clean. Like the shop was so clean. There was no clutter. There was nothing on the floor, nothing. I was like, oh my God, dude. I was like, how, how do you have the time to do this? And he's like, it's the opposite. I don't have the time not to do this. I don't have the time to come in my shop and spend 20 minutes looking for a screwdriver. I need to know where it is so I can get my work done. And that resonated with me. And this was 2005. And I've been incrementally getting better and better and better and better. And now when, you know, I hold my first class here at this space, when people come here, they're going to walk in and be like, this guy's sick. He's mentally ill. Like, look at, look at the organization here. It's just madness. It's a level of insanity. But I love it. I personally, it makes me feel comfortable and calm. When, when awesome. it's a mess, I feel like my mental state, I feel uh, very anxious, you know, when things are a really? mess. Really? See, yeah. I'm the opposite. But that's all right. Yeah. That's what makes everybody different, man. It's true. It's very true. Yeah. John. I think, like I told you, I mean, as an example, um, for me to like focus, I need noise. I need things going on. You know what I mean? And uh, like literally the most distraction possible. And I'm okay with that because that's how I've learned to focus where other people need, you know, dead silence, quiet room, whatever the case may be. And that's just what makes everybody different. You know, there, I don't know if you have, do you have Spotify? I do. Yeah. Yeah. There's, if you just put in focus, there's a playlist called focus. There's actually a lot of different ones, but just the, the main focus one that has like millions of monthly listeners. I put that one on all the time in my, my AirPods. And, um, I know you like to call them ear pods. Yeah, I've heard well, you I have say that. Yeah, no, you yeah. don't. You have AirPods. I literally only have one in. I think I told you I got one in. <laughs> only my left in because my right one's crap. It just whistles. Uh, so yeah. I got yeah. my right ear pod. I think in. you're just trying. Yep. Remember, remember, like in the '80s when guys only wore one earring, and that's you know, right. Which ear was in mattered. Your left, yeah, yeah. Um, but what if you weren't in your right, Sean? <laughs> I don't know, man. Actually, I had both. Believe it or not, I had both ears pierced as did a you? teenager. Yeah, I did. I indeed. didn't, I didn't yeah. have either. But um, yeah. I think you're trying to start a trend here with the the one AirPod. Right. The one AirPod. Yeah, yeah. I could see yeah. that. But with an earpod. With I, an I, earpod. I mean, I'll do it with an earpod, which yeah. is the yeah, yeah. Uh, the Chinese knockoff. You got those at Harbor Freight, the earpods. Yeah. No, I literally went to Apple. <laughs> 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 was it was it the the apple that looks like the new applebee's you seen the sign for the new applebee's no dude if you go through i don't i haven't seen it at any of the um, oh, now I'm the new stores yet but i was at i want to say it's dallas fort worth airport i've seen it a couple times i'm pretty sure it's dfw they have a applebee's in the airport and the sign is a, an aluminum backer so it's silver and a white apple with a bite out of it because Applebee's yeah. always had a bite out of it. I think, I don't know, but it has a bite and it, or maybe it doesn't have a bite. I can't remember, but it's a white apple on a silver backer. And from across the airport, you think, Oh, there's an apple store here. Right. 
And you get up close. Oh. No, it's Applebee's. And I noticed it, and I posted something on my Instagram a long time ago. And I've seen since then probably three or four other people on Facebook or uh, Instagram post about that Applebee's, uh, of how it's just such a direct rip of the Apple store. And it's just incredible. I mean, what are they trying to do? They're trying to lure you in with a MacBook Pro, but then give you, you know, some crappy steak and you know, like, <laughs> what, what was the plan here? And I mean, a side salad? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm just, I'm looking right now while you're talking. I just tried Googling, but I'm not, I'm not seeing. All I see is the old one with the, you know, the green backside, the red apple. So I, I can't wait to see it. Oh, if you get through DFW, you'll find it. What are we calling DFW? Dallas-Fort Worth. Airport. Okay. DFW. You're talking about uh, actual, I, I thought you were maybe talking about the airline. Okay. Dallas-Fort Worth. Got it. Dallas. Right. So Dallas. This whole thing, you, I, was, I was getting lost on from Applebee's Jesus. to DFW. DFW. To man. an app. LAX. Okay, with a bite taken out of it. Okay. PDX. I'm, I'm with you now. SeaTac. I'm on. I'm on board. Okay. It doesn't seem like it. That's okay. From points to DFW. Well, I used to, tra way back in the day, I used to travel for a living. So I speak in airport codes. Like, where, where are you flying into? Anyways, that was a long digression, but who cares? <laughs> <laughs> All good, man. All good. All good. Yeah. Good talking to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that concludes the podcast. Oh, I thought that was it. What else is on my mind? Well, let's see. What else is on my mind? There's been some chatter. Say it. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Here, here's the deal. Say it. You know the thing about a fire, John, is if you yeah. starve it of oxygen, it goes out. That's yep. the thing about a fire. But if you feed it oxygen, it just grows and grows and gets right. hotter. I don't want to feed oxygen to the, to the, to the idiocracy that, that this last week has been. But here's what I'll say. I have been a very staunch advocate of respecting people's intellectual property, respecting people's originality, respecting people's designs and processes and techniques. If you did not develop it, it's not yours to take. And that's been my message. And that message has offended a lot of people. It's, it's upset a lot of people over the years. And mm -hmm. I understand why. And you've talked to some people recently, which is interesting, yep. that have essentially said that they initially were very turned off by that message. It, it, um, offended it angered them. It angered them. Yeah, that's a better word. It angered them. And they said, yeah. you know, who's Brandon to tell, to say that it's not right to, you know, right. take inspiration from or whatever. And they're at a place in their career where they didn't. Well, the sticky word is steel. Yeah. Right? Nobody wants to say steel. Right. You know, people want to use code words like inspired by. I was inspired by. But mm -hmm. that's just another word for I took it but I want to feel okay about it. So I say inspired by, it. but you know, we can get into semantics and that's not even about it. But the point of this right. is, you know, you've talked to some people that I initially, that message angered them, but over time they've done this for, for a long enough period of time that they actually have had original thoughts and ideas in new designs that nobody's done. And they have come full circle. And now that message resonates with them instead of it yeah. being something that offends them or angers them. They're like, no, I get it. I get it. But you have to be at that place. And it's two-pronged. You, you have to be at the place. And I always think, like, on a long enough timeline, people will understand what I'm saying, number one. Number two, but you have to want to. You have to want to do the work. You have to want to develop original work, designs, yeah. or, uh, develop original techniques. You have to be willing to. So there's groups of people out there 
that don't want to do that. They just actually don't want to do it. They would rather see something they like, they peruse Etsy and Instagram and take inspiration from and remake things other people have done. They take the husk of it. They take the outer shell. They don't put in any of the work that led up to it, and they just take the outer part, and they, they make that, and they sell it. And you might make a buck, but you're not doing yourself any favor. You're not growing as an artisan. You're not growing your business as being a, a designer. But uh, there, there's those people out there. But then there's people that put in the time, put in their energy, put in the failure, put in the risk, put in the financial expense, the mental expense. You know, I've done a lot of things that you're really excited about, and then it comes out, and it's just a complete turd, like a literal turd. I did a sink design once, looked like a turd coming out of a butt. True story. And, and you're just like, oh, it's just such a letdown. And you just feel like, you know, you feel like a failure for a while, but then you think, eh, I got something out of it. I learned this. I learned not to do that. That looks like a turd coming out of a butt. I'm not going to do that again. Um, so there's lessons in it, but, uh, but you have to want to put in the work. And you also have to believe that originality is possible. You know, I heard somebody make a statement. I've heard the statement before that there's nothing original under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Mm, yeah. That's not true. So woodworking, for example, has been around for thousands of years. Woodworking as we know it has been around for thousands of years. And this guy comes along in the 1950s, 60s, uh, by the name of, name of Sam Maloof. And if you don't know who that is, M-A-L-O-O-F, he was a very famous woodworker. He comes along, and he's not formally trained. He doesn't really know how to use tools. And because of that, in some ways, he, he has a novel approach to joinery, to woodworking, to design, to craftsmanship. He's not doing it the way that it's been done for so long. He comes at it from a new angle. And he redefines. Now people all around the world travel to take classes on how to learn how to do things the way Sam Maloof did them, right? And to replicate his designs. He's passed away, but his family carries on the company. But my point is, for something that's been around for thousands of years, originality and, and a new approach was possible. And new approach is definitely possible, yeah. The world that we live in, this type of concrete, the way we do it, has really only been around for 30 or so years. If we look at Buddy Rhodes and Futong Chang as being the genesis uh, yeah. of it, uh, of where this started, people are like, well, the Romans! Dude, show me a fabric-formed Roman sink, you know? Show, show me any of these things that we're doing. Show me a one-inch-thick chair that the Romans made. They didn't. So the material mm -hmm. may have existed back then, but what we're doing with the material is really only a, a more modern uh, adaptation of that material and use of the material. So we've been doing this for 30 years. Literally everything we do is new. Literally everything we do. And every person that's in, in this industry... In the scheme of things, no yeah, question. Yeah. Literally every person in this industry is on the cutting edge of a new thing. And we're all developing new things if, if, you know, that's what you want to do. But to have that mindset, I think that's a very toxic mindset. I think it's a very self-limiting mindset to say that originality doesn't exist, that there's nothing new under the sun, that great artists steal. You know, you're just kind of, you're, you're immediately putting these restrictions on yourself when you have the ability to do it, but you have to want to do it. And you have to put in the hard work. And you have to be willing to accept that a lot of things you do are going to be total dog turds, and that's okay. But, you know, every now and then... As we said before, those are the stepping stones to success, and yeah, that's just the way it is. A blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then, and, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a blind squirrel searching around, but every now and then I find a nut, you know, and it's just, you have to do it. And that's, that's the process. So what do you want to say, John? Well, to I mean, I'm going to address by not addressing. Do the same thing. I, I Clearly, over the last few days... 
I shouldn't say clearly, nobody knows, no one's sitting here but me, but I have fielded untold amounts of messages, phone calls, and texts asking to address something that's going on or that that has transpired out there. And um, I basically said, I, you know, I'm going to address it by non-addressing. And the idea is this. <clears throat> Everybody wants to support something, and I think that's fantastic. And I think by bringing it further out in the open probably continues to fuel said situation that I'm just ready to let it die. Because at the end of the day, you know, some people are going to support and stand up for it and other people are not. And it we're referring to is, you know, basically taking and, you know, modifying or whatever, copying other prize techniques and et cetera, et cetera, and using it for their own good. And, you know, I'll just leave it up to whomever to, you know, go and listen, watch body language. Don't let's just listen to the words. I'm a firm believer if you read a text or an email, it's so easy to put that and read it out of your own emotional stature. But, you know, go and listen to it, yeah. plain and simple. That's what it is. And, and, and I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. But one thing that came to mind, and this is what I mean by support, and I hope, you know, it's, it's try to make it a short you know, short story, if you will. So years ago when I was working in the medical end of things, I took a lot of psychology, specifically abnormal and advanced abnormal psychology. And in those courses, I took them specifically because of the kind of patient loads that I was dealing with. And you needed to be very good at spotting and identifying deception or a con artist, you know, and a deceiver. And there was some telltale time, excuse me, telltale signs specifically they would have you look for. And these are things that you'd have to stay on top of when you were dealing with patients that were trying to deceive you or family members that were trying to deceive you, usually for their own benefit. And the number one that they talked about was eye contact. And typically, a deception is built around lots of eye contact. And the whole idea of that is to the deceiver is trying to establish trust. But most of us that are not used to that, we don't, I mean, you don't want to stare in each other's eyes for a long period of time because it's uncomfortable. It's typically uncomfortable. So, you you know, you'll, you'll turn away, you'll keep the conversation going, but you're not literally focused on eye contact. But for a deceiver, that's what they need to do, or they feel they need to do to establish trust. The second thing always to watch out for was a lot of exaggerated arm movements or hand movements. And what you might refer to as like a razzle dazzle, right? And, and the idea there is again, to let's say deception and keep this going. Finally, a third one was a deceiver or a con artist. Well, especially if you're trying to catch on to the deception, will always work hard to move the focus off of them to, again, just, you know, just get it off of them as quick as possible. And, you know, I mean, these are some signs to look for, um, to spot a deceiver or a con artist. But during these, let's say, you know, advanced courses that I took, 
the, the comparison to that, which I thought was brilliant, and it finally got me to understand, was they always compared it to the magician, a master magician. And I thought about that for a second, and this is what I mean by, you know, some people will always support it. I like magic. I really enjoy magic. In fact, when when we were out in Vegas for Jay's Nationals, I really wanted to catch a Chris Angel show. I mean, clearly he's a midget. I mean, I know Chris Angel can't walk on air. I know he's not going to walk down the side of a ladder. And I'm literally supporting it by buying the tickets to go watch Chris Angel, fully aware that he's deceiving me. And that's the fun of it. You know what I mean? But I guess that's really the core to what I mean by support is I am fully aware that I'm being deceived and I'm paying for that deception to entertain me. And I think at the end of the day, that's all any of us really need to go and look at is look at some of these pre, you know, look at some of these signals and signs. None of, I mean, other people might argue, no, I don't want to be deceived. You know, I want to build trust and I want to believe these people and like, well, okay. Well, once again, then just look at some of these signs of a person who like legitimately is deceiving you. Lots of eye contact, lots of exaggerated arm movement. And I probably shouldn't be saying this, right? Because other people are like, oh, man, I I don't mean talking with your hands. I mean, like, exaggerated, right? <laughs> like, you know, the old Because right now switch. you're talking to your hands. I know you're doing it. You're right? like, oh, you know I am. I'm talking about, you know, they, they got you looking at this because they actually flipped the card or the coin, you know, out of their other hand. Um, and then, yeah, and then you'll see if you start catching on, they immediately want to switch it. That's why they always, you know, that's why the magician, magician typically has so many things going on up on stage. And, and that's just, and that's just the way it is at the end of the day, you know, regardless of what people said, whatever their body language said, I'm sure they're going to come out with something I'm guessing anyway, to try to like, you know, blame you for. I don't know, maybe spinning whatever was said. It's pretty hard to spin, man. How do you spin things when you, then that's what I'm saying. Watch body language, watch these kind of things. And, and then at the end of the day, if you choose whomever you are, choose to support it. Uh, okay. I mean, that's all I can say. And for me personally, um, I'll say I don't. Um, Kodiak Pro does not. We don't support you know, we are and will continue to be promoters of the industry. We'll stand behind artisans. We will do everything we can to lift them up, help your business, whatever that might be, to the best of our ability. And uh, hopefully we're here for a long time. I don't know what you're talking about as far as that whole last thing, but that's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, we, as a company, it's very, very important to me. We will never, ever steal somebody else's techniques, somebody else's processes, somebody else's designs. We respect our fellow craftsmen. We do this for a living. John does it for a living. I do it for a living. Joe, Martin Haddock, Sammy, we all do this for a living. And we respect our customers, our clients as fellow artisans. And right. we will never, ever disrespect anybody or take away from their ability to to provide for their family, for their children, by stealing their intellectual property, something they worked hard to develop. We do a class at Concrete Design School, which we have, we have a, an announcement to make at the end about um, 
the concrete hoe down in the holler. But when we do a class, we're teaching things we developed. We're teaching techniques and processes that we developed. We didn't glean these from somebody else. We didn't go to some class and then disregard an NDA and decide to teach on our own. We didn't do any of these things. We didn't watch YouTube videos. These are things that we developed through hard work, through failure, through trial and error. And the things we teach are original and they are being taught by the people that developed the technique they're teaching. And so I think that's an important distinction. There's other classes out there. You know, there's a lot of basics classes, fundamental, you know, fundamental, another word for basic, a lot of basic classes out there. Great. You know, I mean, that's not really our interest. I think there's plenty of YouTube videos that cover the basics. You know, you don't necessarily need to go to a class. Difficulty today. Yeah, there's so much of that information available. I've been asked, as you very well know, um, why I don't offer or do more teaching related to the raw materials. I mean, most people know I've been around raw materials and literally developed raw materials in this industry for a very long time. So why don't I teach it? Uh, to be honest with you, that's just not an over interest of mean mine and hasn't been to go over different cements and poslins and, you know, why, why, I mean, I've got the information's out there, why I design around what I design now based on materials versus what I have designed around and, and why so much of this industry is going different directions and some people are still trying to play catch up and that's that's just the way it is so that not an interest so yeah so if you want to take a fundamental class great there's a lot of options out there Uh, and there's classes out there that do you know knockoff versions of things we teach a problem with a copy is a copy of a copy of a copy loses resolution they didn't put in the time, the energy, they don't have the history of failure. So they don't know when they're doing something wrong because they don't know what's wrong because they don't know what's right. And uh, so there's a lot of that. But if, if you want to learn advanced techniques from the sources that develop those techniques, advanced designs, advanced processes, then Concrete Design School is where you should go. If you want to take a fundamental basics class, listen, there's a handful of them out there. Knock yourself out. And uh, the other thing I want to say, John, is let's say you made the ultimate mistake in training. You, you went to a class, you greatly regret it. And this happens. A lot of people go to a class and they realize that, you know, they got um, bamboozled, essentially. You know, they, they show up expecting mm-hmm. to learn from people that are experts and then find out they're not. And they, they feel that they were taken advantage of. If you are one of those people and you're concerned that maybe you're not welcome at Concrete Design School because you took this other person's class, listen, we might have our issues with certain people in this industry because we feel that they're disingenuous and dishonest, and that's, that's fine. We have zero issue with any person that's taken a class with any other uh, in- individual or entity. You are a thousand percent welcome. We'll welcome you with open arms. In every class, we have people that have been to other training events. You know, it doesn't matter to us. We're glad to have you. We're glad mm-hmm. to to welcome you in and um, to, to teach you what we know and to share, share our techniques with you. So if you've been to something else and you're, you're you know, hesitant to enroll because you're like, oh, I don't know, I think there might be some bad blood or whatever. We don't have any bad blood with anybody that's attended no. some <clears> of <throat> the class. So come on and register. Yeah, I see that in a whole nother light too. I'm a firm believer that anybody who's gone to some version of training, well, you know, Maybe it was something local to them, or maybe they were truly going someplace uh, to do. I feel you, they've made an investment. I mean, it's pretty obvious. 
They've made an investment. To me, it's like, you know, it's like buying my first car, right? Well, maybe I bought what I could afford and, you know, maybe it didn't get me all the bells and whistles or the gas mileage that I was looking for. But, you know, I made a commitment into transportation and, and that's what I did. And I did what was the best of my ability. What I, you know, so I completely understand that and will completely understand that. And well, can, that you, can you complete the analogy that you're starting to make? There? The analogy is I see that as a person who has in t- taken the time to invest in themselves, their business, their family and their prosperity. So I don't knock any of that. I yeah. don't at all. In fact, we, I think we should have an internal conversation sometime on the podcast open for everybody, but I won't tell anybody about it, about maybe offering some kind of some kind of discount of some sort. Well, good thing we're going to be listening. No, I don't want, again, this is just between me and you. Okay, okay. Well, um, you know, some kind of discount because I, I do, I, I see that as anybody who's done that, they legitimately have put an investment. And, you know, with that investment, you know, why keep, anyway, that, that's how I feel about it. We'll see what happens. Um, you and I will talk about it and we'll see, we'll see what transpires. I'm, yeah. I'm open to having the discussion. But I just want to be very clear with people that everybody's welcome in our classes. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah. So the other thing I want to say is we have a lot of new listeners. I checked the analytics. We have over, we had over 24,000 listens in the last 12 months, which is incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. But we have a lot of new listeners and a lot of these people may not know what we stand for. We don't have a mission statement on our website. I think mission statements are pretty cheesy. I think that, you know, when somebody says, Hey, trust me, I'm honest, pretty much means they're not honest, but I think it is important (laughs) that people know what drives us as, as individuals and as a company or companies, because me and John are Kodiak pro and then concrete design school is me, but John is, you know, uh, one of, one of our primary trainers. So it's me, John, Dusty and Joe Bates. But, the, the things that drive us, you know, the first one would be integrity. And integrity is like this buzzword that's being thrown around by a lot of people, but it doesn't mean much when it's just thrown around. I read something a long time ago. It was in a board game, and it was a question, and it said, how do you define integrity, and do you have it? And I kept that card. I put it on, on, on a bulletin board over my desk, and I've asked that question. I asked it to you, John when Mm -hmm. you came on as a trainer with Concord Design School, and I have asked it to every person I've ever hired, how do you define integrity and do you have it? And I think it's a very important question. And I'll tell you what it means to me. Integrity is doing the right thing no matter what. No matter if somebody's watching, no matter if it's 100% private, nobody's going to know. It's being down to the penny honest. It's not stealing. It's not appropriating or lifting or being inspired by. It's always doing the right thing irregardless of if anybody will know about it or not. That's integrity. And it's one of those things that you can't pick and choose, in my opinion. You can't pick to be, you know, upholding values that you consider are are high integrity sometimes. And sometimes you're like, well, but somebody asked me to rip off so-and-so's design, so I'm going to rip it off. But, you know, I uh, I feel like we have integrity because the other things we do, you know, but don't don't look at that thing. We'll just ignore that and pretend it didn't happen. So it's either you have integrity or you don't have integrity. And so that's number one. Any thoughts on integrity, John? No, I'm right there with you. I mean, whether, you know, it's, it's, it's living by values. The second thing that we really focus on at Kodiak Pro and Concrete Design School, but Kodiak Pro because of our materials, is quality. 
So high quality, quality is everything. John and I, the reason Kodiak Pro even exists is, is due to low quality in this industry, low quality products in this industry and what it did to my business and what it's done to other people's businesses. Um, you know, you can talk to Joe Bates and, and other individuals that have been through the roller coaster of getting products and those companies get sold to another company and then the quality drops dramatically and how that can affect your, your livelihood when all of a sudden what you were so used to and the, and the results you're used to and uh, the performance you're used to totally goes away because the quality dropped. And so for me and for you, quality is paramount. So high quality, high quality ingredients, high quality uh, customer service, just quality all the way around. We really focus on, on doing the best we can possibly do. Any thoughts on that, John? No, I truly do feel like I try to do my best. I think you do too. And I try to focus on, you know, I I do not look for, regardless of raw materials, and I'm not saying I look for the most expensive, but to me, it's often like meat, right? And if you go, you know, pick up some meat, you know, I mean, I really like a good filet mignon, but even though a filet mignon might be whatever, $40 a pound, that just might mean I don't eat filet mignon five days a week. But that doesn't change the fact that I want a nice quality piece of meat. And and that's how I look at raw materials too, is raw materials, not solely by a price point, but the quality of those materials and the manufacturer of those materials. And often for me, are they open to the conversation with me if they have a set of uh, materials that don't necessarily because it was maybe built for the in, in full industrial setting, but it's not giving us as artisan, which is often, you know, we're the, we're less than the uh, tick on their back, right? I mean, from buying materials, are they open to our input, modifying these materials? And, and often that's, that's a cost, period. You know, the meat analogy, I didn't see that one coming, John, but I no? think, I think that's actually a good analogy in the Thanks, sense buddy. of, yeah, you're welcome. In the sense of when I'm making a concrete sink, a concrete chair, a concrete table for a client. That's a very, very special piece. I'm charging a premium price to the customer. I'm not going to go down and use quickcrete or I'm not going to use some liquid polymer modified mix that's all foamy and airy. I will, I will quote unquote splurge and use the best product I can because that's a very important piece I'm making. Now, on the other hand, if I'm pouring a pad for an AC condenser or if I'm making a, a driveway, I would never use Kodiak Pro for that. You know, that's that's money wasted. And so in those instances, I'd order in a truck and I'd, you know, get three yards delivered and it's going to be 3,000 to 5,000 PSI concrete and that's fine. But same thing with, with, you know, back to your meat analogy. If I'm if I'm having a very special dinner, I'm going to go get grass-fed tomahawk steaks, you know, that are 100 bucks each. But if I'm having a picnic where I'm having all the neighbors over, I'm just going to go get some ground beef and cook hamburgers, right? Like I'm not breaking out the grass fed tomahawks for the neighbors. So yeah, so there's a, there's a time and a place for everything, but if you're, if you're crafting the best concrete work you can, quality matters. Quality is paramount. Well, if you're looking for that end of the clientele, that's going to support you and your family and your lifestyle that is going to, that's looking for that kind of quality. True. Because again, my analogy is there's always going to be a, an electrician for five bucks an hour and some for $150 an hour. And both of them can probably screw a light bulb in or, you know, but you have to decide which end of that quality that you're looking for. The last thing, John, innovation. 
is one of the driving principles for Concrete Design School and Kodiak Pro innovation. We're always looking to innovate. If you're not if you're not advancing, you're dying. If you're not moving a ball forward, then you're chasing somebody else. And yeah. we're not followers, we're leaders. We always have been on the cutting edge and that's where we want to stay and we do it through innovation. We do it through innovation of products, through materials, and innovation of techniques and processes. And that's what drives us is constant innovation. So we're not content with doing it the way it was 20 years ago. We're not content with playing catch up with somebody else. We always want to be on the tip of the spear of what is possible with concrete and what is possible with fabrication techniques. Any thoughts? Well, I'm going to include ICT in that. I mean, I, I mean, there's undeniable that, you know, I can't, and well, I was going to say, we're going to move on because yeah, let's move on. I got something and this is not an analogy. This is something I want everybody to be very aware of is there's going to be a pretty good shakeup in the polyurethane market in ceiling technologies coming up pretty quick. And I mean, to me, an example of staying innovative and even, and when I say innovative for me, it's always been trying to keep things as non-toxic as possible, you know, as quote unquote green as possible, uh, user-friendly as possible. And over the years, so there's a co-solvent that's used in most, if almost all polyurethane technologies, and it's, uh, the acronym is NMP, Nancy Mary Paul, and it stands for N-methyl pyrolidone. For anybody who say, wants to know say, what that say is. Say that again. <laughs> N-methyl pyrolidone. Uh, NMP. And why am I bringing this up? Well, this goes back to what we are just talking about, the, you know, the values that we stand for. And this one's not very old, but it is one that was has been used and used prolifically because of what it does for polyurethane technologies. And as not far back as 2020, the EPA and the World Health, you know, anyway, health organizations and so forth passed this one off to be used a lot. You know, you're going to have to apologize for me. I literally just saying it had Ames dad <laughs> come up to the front door. Uh, no kidding. And he is literally knocking on the front door. <laughs> so chat about something. I'm gonna be back. Chat with who? It's just me and you, homie. Hello? Hello. Well? Hmm. I feel like I should sing a song or something. He's looking for something called tags. I think I'm like tags that... Uh, Abby used to go to our lake. They're little tanks. We'll have to bring them up later. Oh, shit. Yep. Dang it. Hmm. No, not leaning anymore. Okay. So where were we? We were with uh, NMP. NMP. Nancy yeah. Mary Paul. Right? right? So what I was saying, yeah. So what I was saying is, as little as two years ago, the Environmental Protection Agency and health organizations had brought this out as a very low toxicity and 
because of its effectiveness, it's gone into almost all polyurethane technologies. Not just that, other things in the industry too, lithium-ion batteries. Is that, is that, is that, is that the old man in there coughing? Yeah, that's him coughing. Hey, tell him, tell him, shut up. Say, shut up, old man! I'm recording a podcast over here. Okay, Jerry. Thank you. Now get out. See you later. Um, <laughs> Scram, <laughs> old man. Awesome, man. Just yell that. Awesome. <laughs> I love him. He's awesome. He just had a, a knee replacement and everything. He's just trying to get back on his feet. He's and he's he's super awesome. Yeah. Um, but anyway, recently, I just want everybody to be aware. Recently, now, you know, late 22, early 23, you it, calling for very strict restrictions on this and uh, like in Europe is trying is literally going for full bans and other parts of the world are going for full banning on it. And it's got the raw material and the manufacturing in, in a pretty good turmoil because the latest studies have shown that this material is incredibly toxic. So toxic. In fact, that even using what we always talk about, Ooh, PPE, wear your protective equipment, you know? Um, no, no, they're seeing, um, if it's getting into the into the water, in the air, you're breathing it, they're seeing, anyway, lots of things. So just, I want people to be aware, protect yourself, and you may want to talk to either A, your distributor, or your manufacturer, your downpacker, whomever. If you're using these technologies, there's two things that are going to come into play, or at least it sounds like, based on people now gleaning me from my use of PPH and you know, uh, texanol and some of my other co-solvents that I'm familiar with is that one, people are getting sick and be getting sick by using something that just a minute ago was considered safe and non-toxic. And now everybody's freaking out, um, to the point that looking at, you know, pretty serious restrictions and banning Two, where was I going that? Oh, that, you know, a distributor, ultimately could be held responsible, especially if they're still selling these kind of materials. So anyway, that's just something I wanted the industry to be aware of. The other thing, John, that's going to happen, in my opinion, is they're going to have to change that co-solvent. They can't use that co-solvent. They're going to have to use oh, a new co-solvent. No, no, no. And so yeah, that's... everybody out there using these technologies, which are a lot of people using coding technologies, are going to have essentially a sealer that is or coding that's behaving in ways that they're not used to. So well, it might yellow, it might peel, yeah. it might delaminate, uh, it won't have the longevity. Not saying that's what's going to happen, but the possibility is there because the co-solvents they're going to replace these with are untested in that application over longevity because they've been using NMP as kind of the status quo co-solvent all right. these years. Well, and I'm bringing this up for two reasons. Number one, I've certainly heard where people, you know, refer to me as the tinker, whatever. Um, I actually see that as awesome. You're, you know, two, for those people who claim that as something bad about me, and well, at the same time may chime in, well, I will never change this. You know, that's why it was innovated to never change. Well, and again, total malarkey. I'm just, just be aware, this is what, for me, when we start talking about innovation, this is the kind of things that I like to stay in front of and why I do what I do. So again, so here we are. I just want to make people aware. 
that uh, there's going to be a pretty good shakeup. Things are going to have to change. Serious restrictions and bannings going on. And, um, you know, no no raw material manufacturers shutting down. What's going to happen is these, these chemistries are going to get modified to keep them rolling along. And you may or may not, depending on who you're getting your materials from, know that this is what's going on. So, you know, one, your health to your business. Yeah. So, I mean, there's people out there that they're, they're, um, their selling point is, this sealer will not change. And yeah, they, right. they drive their staff into the ground and they got their wizard hat on and they're like, ah! Mm-hmm. And the problem is, those people are not developing. Oh, Gandalf, I just got that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you shall not pass! Not pass! Yeah, yeah, yeah I, 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 see, I see them there with their, like, gnarly wood staff. You know, ah! But uh-huh. the thing is, you know, when, when people try to diminish you by calling you a tinker because you're always looking at new technologies and trying new things and seeing how they work. That's a sword that cuts both ways. So what they're trying to say is, Oh, you know, John's always, always trying new things. Yeah. 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 But the thing is what we're talking about way in the beginning of this is you have to have a history. You have to have a history of success and a history of failure to know what works and what doesn't work. And you have to be able to draw from that extensive past to be able to do things. And so for anybody that's just downpacking a product, they're buying from Sherwin-Williams or PPG or whoever, they're buying this and they're putting little bottles and they're putting their label on it, they're calling it whatever and they're mm-hmm. selling it to you. They have zero input, information, background, know-how, chemical makeup of what is in that sealer. They don't know what's in that sealer. Sherwin-Williams isn't contacting these downpackers saying, hey, uh, Billy Bob, uh, you know, we're thinking about changing this co-solvent because it's getting banned and we just want to get your opinion. What co-solvent would you yeah. use? No, they don't care. They're going to make the changes they want to make. They're not going to inform these people because it's none of their business. They're going to make these formula changes. They're going to send it to them. And this guy's over here saying, this shall not change. But it changed and he's not even aware that it changed. And then it goes to the customers and the customer's like, hey man, I don't know what's going on, but this sealer's peeling off. Well, uh, we didn't change well, it's not anything. Not setting up as fast. Doesn't have the same. Yeah, you, know, you did, but you didn't. You yeah. didn't know it changed because you didn't mm-hmm. actually develop the sealer. This has kind of been the message all along: is guys, downpackers, there's a place for them. There's a there's certain materials in this industry that you have to sure. buy in such bulk that it just is out of reach for for users of our size. Totally understand. I yeah. get it. I'm not saying downpacking is this crazy evil. What I'm saying is when somebody buys something from some manufacturer, they buy it in a tote, and then they put it in a court, and they, they rename it, they put their label on it. They don't know what's in that sealer. They didn't play any part in the, chemi- the chemical development of that. And so when things go sideways, which inevitably they do, or when things change due to COVID restrictions or banning of raw ingredients as, as happens and will continue to happen, that's when it poses a problem. And so the other problem is when people say, and this is just my own opinion, but this comes back to ethics, when they say, I developed something. Pouring in a different size bottle isn't developing anything. You're just downpacking. So if you want to be honest no, about but it. See, I could say the spin on that is maybe they develop the application technique or, you know, something like that. I think that's where, in my opinion, that, that's where that comes from. Mm, and, I think they're trying to and, develop their bank account. I think that's what they're trying to develop. But that's yeah, my opinion, maybe. John. My opinion. <laughs> okay. Now, I think there's a place. You and I have talked about there's some products out there that you think are interesting. We're not going to get into that right now, but we're, uh-huh. we're testing those. But if we do end up carrying those products, we'll be very honest. These are products that we are, we are buying because we have to buy in such large quantities of yeah. these products. 
that we will don't pack them and we'll tell you what they are. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, if you, no if you want to go buy yeah. 5,000 gallons of it, be our guest, buy 5,000 gallons of it, you know, but if, if these things work out the way that you hope they will, uh, things we're testing, then we'll down pack them. But the things that we sell right now, the things that, that uh, we have on our website are things are materials that have been a hundred percent developed by John and are hundred percent manufactured custom, whether it's John blending or if it's Solomon blending maker mix and rad mix are being blended for mm-hmm. us. These aren't repackaged products. We're not buying anything from anybody else and putting a different label on it. These are a hundred percent innovated products and there's a difference. And when you actually truly develop something, when things like this happen, which do happen when COVID is going on, a lot of raw materials just could not, they just weren't available anymore. All of a sudden, the, you know, these things come from overseas, they get stuck in ports and you have to, you have to be able to adapt on the fly very quickly. And there was a lot of that during COVID, you know, John was, oh, there was a lot of that every was a lot of day. Materials changed during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Or it that was, was it was constant. Too. Now, luckily things have stabilized, but the point is if you don't have that background as truly a developer, then when things like this happen, it's problematic. Yeah, you don't have to shift and shimmy. Exactly. And that's what I was just going to say. The other part, I mean, the added to this is, because again, I don't want anybody to think any of us is, you know, whatever, looking down or, or they're like, so there's some kind of hierarchy here where we stand compared to somebody as a distributor or downpacking because they're not. You know, my other thing with that, like materials I look at and often thought about getting is, but I'm in, you know, make sure you're in direct contact with the chemist or even the owners of the company. You know, the people that are literally, I mean, that, I'm just saying, that's what I stand for. And if we end up with materials like that, that is what we'll do. Um, and they'll be open to making maybe minor adjustments, but it's still theirs. It's not ours. Minor adjustments to the formula. So you're doing the chemists, the owners of the company, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's a big part of it. And that's where I'm coming full circle. So that anybody who's using these kind of technologies out there specifically, as I'm referring to the urethane technologies, this would be a time to start talking to your manufacturers, your distributors or, or whoever and seeing this. Number one, if this material is on board and I'm going to tell every most likely it is there's there's none that I know are being processed without it um, doesn't mean they don't exist. So and then number two. Along that, not that they're going to fill you in on their trade secrets, you may want to ask them the timeline and, you know, that they're switching these products over. Uh, so there's a trust factor and understanding with you. So when these things happen, you're not, you know, whatever. Caught, caught by surprise. Yeah. Caught by surprise. Yeah. That'd be the right thing to do. Absolutely. You want to go with the next thing, John? Bring it. Bring, Bring it. it. Okay. Okay, I'm going to bring it. You know, by the way, when you were gone, I thought about singing a song, but I didn't when you were talking to Gramps over there. <laughs> Dude, that's so funny. All I could do is laugh. Uh, he's so funny. He, like I said, he just got his knee done. Yeah. So when he's, he's literally, I don't know if you could hear it. He's literally, he can see me. <laughs> he's pounding on the door. <laughs> uh, then he comes in. Ah! Ah! In the background. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, I want to be like him one day. Seriously. <laughs> he's good. And then he's, uh, so he's like, well, I'm here to get these things. Well, Jerry, I don't know where they are. Well, but do you know where they are? I Jerry, just honestly, you. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm just up. Mm, mm, ah! <laughs> I love you, man. Oh, God. All right. Awesome. So, um, 
a couple things. One is we're going to have um, the the new concrete hoedown and the holler dates listed on the site soon. It's going to be October 27th and 28th. You may not know what the concrete hoedown and the holler is. I will attach a video to this podcast episode. If you go to KodiakPro.com, scroll down on the homepage, you'll see the podcast. This episode of the podcast, there'll be a video and you can watch it. And it shows last year's hoedown, like a little one minute video. Mm-hmm. It is it's not training, but we mix and cast yeah. concrete. It it's is a, fun. It's a gathering. It's a get it together. Is yeah. An event. It is where we yeah. It's where we get together to to have uh, drinks, to have beers, to eat great barbecue, to sit around a campfire, to shoot guns, to mix concrete, and really just to rejuvenate your soul. If you're in the concrete industry, one of the biggest problems we have is there's not a lot, a lot of people that do what we do, so you don't have that camaraderie with people around you. You know, we all kind of live in our own little isolated bubbles. And our closest connection is Facebook or Instagram. You know, that's the closest it gets. Mm -hmm. The good thing about this event is everybody's able to come together in this really great space. We're going to be at Dusty Baker's place again for anybody who came last year. And you'll see in the video, it is a beautiful beautiful setting. Beautiful setting. Just outside Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Just amazing. It's going to be October 27th and 28th. Concrete hoedown in the holler. I haven't decided if I'm going to put it on the Kodiak Pro site or the Concrete Design School site. There's benefits to both. But oh, once I put them yeah. on ICT too, I'm just saying like where you register. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. If I do it on concrete design school, there's an option for me to have a form where they can put in their t-shirt size and things like that, which is great. Uh, if I put it on Kodiak pro, which is where people I think are going to intuitively go to register, then, uh, I don't have that option. So I don't know. I'll figure it out. But, um, another thing I want to say is people might think like, Oh, this is just a, Kodiak Pro event. No, 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 no. Mm -mm. We're using Kodiak Pro products. And there's people that came last year, and I hope people come this year, that are considering making a switch, that are interested in Kodiak Pro products. They're not ready to pull a trigger on buying a a half pallet or a pallet, and so they want to come try it out. That's a great event. Come out here, see the concrete firsthand. Just to show it, yeah. Yeah, mix it, cast it, cure it. Let's see it. Let's let's seal some together so you can, if you haven't used ICT, you can see how to use it and see uh, how John applies it and how Dusty applies it. I don't mind doing a demo. Exactly. But this, this is a camaraderie event. This is a, We don't care if you use any other product. Come to this event. You're welcome. Another thing we're going to do, John, is... We're well, sitting- hang on. I'm just going to add that even if a person comes solely to tell us how much they don't like us... Yeah, it's worth <laughs> okay, it. Okay, come on out, and then we'll hang out for a minute, you know? And, and uh, I'm not saying I'm going to change anybody's mind, but at least you may get a real sense much further than what whatever you, anybody may or may not have heard, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a, I mean, last year was fantastic. I'd love to see it grow. And again, I don't care. You're still making your own mix and I, it doesn't matter. That is not what this is about. Nothing. This is about an industry, this little small niche of individuals that can easily get separated. It's a chance to come together and just have a great time and laugh and yeah. So, yeah. Well, anyway. I, uh, that's a good point, John. I mean, this is it's very cliquish and tribal, and all these little cliques form, little tribes form, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, this mix or this trainer, or I I heard that this guy doesn't like this guy, so I don't like that guy anymore. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, people form these groups. And what we're trying to do with this is saying, no, we're all one tribe or one tribe. We're, we're all people yeah. that work in this industry. We're all people that love what we do. We have passion for what we do. And everybody is welcome. And we make no judgment. You know, you, you can wear your, your favorite concrete company's shirt to Kodiak Pro. Yeah. Concrete. It doesn't matter. You're Bring welcome. It. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I honestly hope that because uh, they're invited. Hell, you know. 
other company, come on out. I mean, again, this is not about beating each other down. This is an event for everybody, and we want mm-hmm. you there. And so one way we're doing that is last year the the uh, attendee price, the attendance price was uh, much higher. This year we're going to do $300 per person, and that's just enough to cover the expenses of putting the event on. By doing that, we're hoping that, um, you know, we had a great turnout last year, big, big turnout. But we're hoping it's even a bigger turnout because we want to get everybody together and everybody to, uh, to just form those bonds, the friendship and the camaraderie. Well, and just, I, I didn't even tell you this. I talked to him yesterday. So we're actually bringing another, which it was a total fluke of awesomeness last year that they did it. But uh, nationally known barbecue and smoker is, is coming out. They've, I've already talked to them and they are 100% on board. Michelle? So, yeah, Michelle and Gilbert. Yeah. Gilbert, if nobody, Gilbert's been to like two or three classes now, but if you don't know Gilbert, Gilbert is, he knows how to do everything and it seems he has everything with him at any given time. So <laughs> he, literally he pulled up to the, the concrete hoedown last year. We were still kind of struggling. Like, what are we going to do for food? Because Dusty talked yeah, to some, talked to some caterers and, and different things. And Gilbert pulls up with this uh, offset wood smoker and literally the whole event had that thing going and was cooking ribs and brisket and pork and all kinds of stuff. It was insane. It was insane. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. And, Beans. I mean, it, uh, was, it was pretty amazing. It yeah. was incredible. So, well, I'm glad because uh, we talked about it. I'm glad they're able to make it because I do love yeah. having, having Gilbert and Michelle there. So that's going to be great. The other thing, John, is you know, I got the shop done here. And I don't want to put on a pinnacle class here or anything like that. That's a big event yet, because uh, you know you want to you want to break it in first. You want to have a you want to ease into it. You know, so I, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a two day class here just for fabric forming, uh, a class with me, and I'll do it probably before the end of the year. But just to have attendees here to get a feel for the space, to get a feel for the flow, to get a feel for how that works with parking and everything, and um, and kind of get it dialed before we do a big class. So, anyways, yeah, fun. yeah my point is, um, don't get your feelings hurt, John. That it's not going to be a, a BG and John show. I'll be announcing that here. I, I'll look at the calendar this weekend and try to get it announced. So, are you crying? No, I. I <laughs> Listen, I'm hypersensitive. Everybody's so sensitive these days. I got I to gotta be careful what I say and who I say it to and what tone I say it in because they're going to cry. So. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. Dude, nothing. it's funny. Um, this last class we had, we had some people in the class. They went to another training event and they said that the, uh, the instructor yelled at them. Right? And I've, I've heard yeah. this from a few people that they've been yelled at. And I was like, what? They're like, yeah, he, he yelled at me. I'm like... That's insane. You remember the class? You were there. It was, um, where were we? Man, where were we? I'm trying to think where we were located. But I think it was in, in Eureka Springs. But uh, we had a guy in the class, and he was, he was from overseas. He didn't speak very good English. There was an English disconnect. And he was doing something. He was getting ready to do something that was going to mess up the casting. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Like, and I said it, I didn't like yell at him, but I said it in kind of like a very like, oh, no, 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 like that. Right. Right. Stop. Yeah. 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 Largely because there's a language disconnect and I couldn't just say, hey, you know, you don't want to do that. So I was like, oh, no, no, no. And I saw a look on his face 
of like, uh, like I scolded a puppy. Like he was like, Oh, you know, like I, I could tell I hurt, hurt his feelings. And I pulled him yeah. aside and I'm just like, dude, I'm not, I'm sorry if I like, I'm not trying to get onto you in any way or anything like that. Uh, it was just, you know, that was going to really mess up the, the casting. And, well, and that um, clear, the funny thing is about clearing that air, you could see for a minute, I mean, he even backed up and you almost saw this, like, you know, again, this disconnect, if you will, he was ready to tune out and boom, he was right back in, you yeah. know, to, to realize, yeah, that's nothing what it's about. You know, we'll never treat people like children. You never. Know? I mean, these are all adults. We're all adults. We're all peers. You know, if I have something that you'd like to learn from me, I think that's amazing. Um, and hopefully along the path, we have, you know, to learn from you, but yeah, I, I mean, I have children. I don't, I don't, I don't need any more. If that makes sense. I don't need to treat people like children. I'm not interested in that. Probably my kids will tell you, I don't treat them like children. Well, dude, if I went to an event and somebody treated me like a child, if I paid to go to a training event, somebody treat me like a child, I'd have a problem with it. I'm a grown man. Yeah, You're a grown it doesn't man. Bode, yeah. It doesn't bode well. I mean, not for me, but right. I mean, again, this is where, as we talked about, you know, to each his own. Yeah. To each his own. Yeah. Some people like whips and chains. Some people like ball gags. Some people like zippered masks. You know, some people, some people yeah. like that kind of stuff. I'm not one yeah, of those people. That's all good. I'm not one of the people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's all good. All right. Uh, anything else, John? No, I think that's it for me. I really wanted to get that thing about NMP. Um, it was a real good conversation here two days ago. I think. Not my problem. That's what it stands right? for. Yeah. Two days ago <laughs> where, yeah, various, some of their chemists were calling me and picking my brain, um, because of where, the, where they know they're going to need to go. Um, in fact, some of their materials already are going getting shut down, uh, from being imported across the sea. Yeah. Well, dude, I mean, the crazy so, thing about urethane, polyurethane is it has been considered so safe and I'm guilty of it, of, of just spraying it without wearing a mask. You know, I was watching a, a video earlier today of mm. a guy making cabinets for an Airstream and he's spraying polyurethane out of a gun. As you can see in the video, just the fog in a shop. Fog and, he's yeah. using like HVLP spraying it. And knowing what I know now, because you and I talked about it yesterday about, about this, it's just so toxic, but we've all been doing it. Yeah. You know, so. Well, we've been doing it and under the idea this is what has, you know, let's say amped this up a little bit was that, you know, you're doing, you know, personal protective equipment, PPE, and that by default, like, what are you talking about, man? I, I wear my mask, I, whatever. I even go sort of the full suit or like some companies I know, I mean, they literally have a whole automotive spray booth in there. Yeah. Like Joe Bates. Which, yeah, which is amazing. But then there's the next line of it. You may be sucking it out of your shop, but you're taking it right back up into the air and they're finding now a pretty extreme, well, how about, I'm not going to, I don't want to scare anybody. How about just a, a fairly influential um, toxicity with this material to the point that within a very short period of time, looking to shut it down and restrict it. Hmm. Well, yeah. you know, and I don't know anybody that wears PPE when you're using polyurethane. I mean... Polyurethane is just one of those, like, it's like Elmer's glue. You know, you're just like, oh, yeah, polyurethane, crack it open, and you're just doing whatever. So it's one of those things that we've all been doing forever. It's not something that you viewed as toxic. And so you didn't really feel... Yeah, even though I've said quite a bit about isothionate technologies, yeah, I mean, you know, it still becomes an awareness. Yeah, but, um, yeah, crazy times we're living in. Okie dokie, John. Well, that concludes the transaction. That is this right on, podcast yeah. for this week. Well, I look forward to the uh, hoedown. 
Me too. And I will post that. I'm going to get it up on the website this weekend, I hope. I hope. Maybe. We'll see. Well, good talking to you as always. Great talking to you, John. Until next time. Talk to you later. Adios. Bye.